Hey friends, let's begin this week's episode with a riddle. A father and son are out for a drive when unexpectedly a car coming from the other direction veers into their lane and smashes directly into them. The father is killed on impact. The son is rushed to the hospital and taken immediately into surgery. And just as the boy is getting ready to go under the knife, the surgeon steps back and says, I can't operate. That boy is my son. So what's going on here? Who's the surgeon? Is it a stepdad? Is it the boy's gay father? Who is it? Be honest, okay? Assuming you haven't heard this riddle before, did you happen to think for a moment that it could be the boy's mother? If not, right now you're kicking yourself. You're feeling a little bit of shame creep in, but the truth is you don't need to because you happen to be in the majority. Studies have shown that most people who encounter this riddle, including those who identify as female and even those who identify as feminist, assume it has to be another dad. The words surgeon and mother tend not to align here. And why is that? What's to blame? Is it because you're a raging sexist pig? Maybe. But more than likely, it's because you've been steeped in an unspoken bias along with the rest of us. This episode is about hidden bias and the invisible messages that shape us, divide us, and even harm us. What if I told you that your life right now is worth noticing? This is the Attention Collection. I'm Anthony Garcia. Have you ever heard that story of the old fish out for a swim? He comes across two young fish, and as he passes by, he asks, Hey, how's the water? The two fish just swim on for a while, and then one of them finally turns to the other, confused, and asks, What the hell is water? The point, of course, is that fish don't know what water is. When you've been immersed in something your entire life, it can become impossible to see. I'm just going to put my point right out in the open from the start. You and I are fish. We've been swimming around in assumptions and worldviews and biases that become so ubiquitous they disappear. And yet, they can be the very source of life to our actions and our inactions. Most of us like to think we're independent thinkers. We encounter information, we evaluate it, and then we accept or reject it accordingly. But it's not that simple. The riddle about the surgeon is telling because it sneaks into the back door. It passes our formulated belief systems. Of course you know there are female surgeons. I'm willing to bet you believe in an egalitarian society. If not, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast, so let me save you a few minutes. But this isn't about the beliefs we put down on paper. 
This is about the stereotypes and biases and subtle influences that work in the background of our lives, like software. Try this for a minute. Assuming you aren't driving or operating heavy machinery, close your eyes. Now I want you to picture a pilot. Do you see the pilot? Okay. Now I want you to picture a landscaper. Who do you see there? Okay. Now let's try a different direction. I want you to picture a terrorist. When you thought of the pilot, who did you see? What gender did you see? And what about the landscaper? And perhaps most telling of all, who did you see when you pictured a terrorist? Did you see a brown man with a beard and a headscarf? If so, that's perfectly understandable because this is the stereotype we've seen in movies and television since the day we were born. But what about a white guy with a swastika tattoo waving a Confederate flag? Did you see that when you pictured a terrorist? If you've been tracking with the attention collection for any length of time, you know that we talk a lot about the things that shape us. We talk about the films and music and art and literature and relationships that are responsible for our formation. We are never not being formed. We are never not being shaped into the person we are becoming. And the truth is, while we're shaped by the things we choose to engage with, the stuff we knowingly bring into our lives, we are equally shaped by our surroundings and culture and the unspoken biases we've been steeped in from day one. We are fish. This is our water, plain and simple. And to that end, there's this section in the book, Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious, from David Dark. And he writes, strangely enough, about our religious upbringings. And he's an educator. So in one of the classes that he teaches, the very first assignment is to have students write about their weird religious upbringings. Some students may immediately describe growing up Catholic or Pentecostal, but some students don't know how to do the assignment. They don't have a religious upbringing, or so they think. And to that end, David writes, It's exceedingly difficult to discuss religion with people who are absolutely certain only other people have one. Think about that. So he helps them out a little bit. He says, I'd be willing to bet many of you were probably raised capitalist, for instance. Raised capitalist. Of course we were. It's just something that's so ingrained so completely part of every decision and every motivation that we can't see it anymore. Water, fish. So let's help rubber find road here. The United States of America is on fire right now, literally and metaphorically. We have seen yet again, black men and women murdered at the hands of police and white supremacists. Protests are taking place all over this country, and people are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter to air out their frustrations and their opinions. It's a minefield right now, and no one seems to know the way forward. 
I'm certainly not here to clear that up. I'm certainly not an authority on that topic. But one thing seems pretty obvious to me. We have to grapple with the fact that this nation has been soaked in systemic racism from its very inception. I find it impossible to argue that, looking at history. And I don't mean just past history, I mean current history, I mean unfolding history. It has permeated our financial system, our education system, our legal system, our political system, our physical and mental health system, our immune system, for God's sake. Inequity and discrimination are happening in broad daylight on camera. But equally as scary is that it's happening behind the scenes. It's happening in our own hearts. Most people these days would not identify as racist. In fact, most people I encounter run as far away from that label as possible. But racism doesn't care if you have black friends or family members. Racism isn't always as blatant as an outward aversion to people of color. Racism is found in the subtle inequities between racial groups. It speaks to who gets favored. Who gets a fair chance? Who is truly valued in a society? It is possible to espouse racist ideas and prop up racist systems without feeling hate for a people group. Because it's just in the water. Speaking of the word racist, Professor Ibram Kendi writes in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, which if you haven't read it, come on, read it. He says, it is not the worst word in the English language. It's not the equivalent of a slur. It is descriptive. And the only way to undo racism is to consistently identify and describe it. And then to dismantle it. Think about that. The only way to undo racism is to consistently identify it and describe it. In other words, you have to listen when someone swims by and asks, How's the water? The quick answer? Sir, it's poisoned. We have to pay attention to our formation. Because people's lives actually, literally depend on it. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable to be challenged, to be criticized, to be stretched. You have to be willing to speak out against systems of injustice. That is unless you truly believe the water's fine. My guess, since you're listening to this, is that you're probably more thoughtful than that. And Dr. Ibram Kendi also reminds us that racist and anti-racist are like peelable name tags that are placed and replaced based on what someone is doing or not doing, supporting or expressing in each moment. These are not permanent tattoos, he says. No one becomes a racist or anti-racist. This means it requires ongoing awareness. At all times, I have to stop and ask myself, am I part of the problem or am I actively demanding a solution? Am I listening or am I checked out? Am I using my voice to raise the collective consciousness or am I sitting in silence? And in many cases, to sit in silence is to sit in a place 
of privilege. Please hear me. The question is not, am I biased? The question is, where are my biases? They exist. They are there. What stereotypes and broken stories are running in the background? Who am I seeing and who am I not seeing? Who am I becoming? You can't change what you refuse to see. So what books are you reading and who are the authors? Where are their stories coming from? Whose stories are we listening to? The days of believing you can simply be non-racist are over. That's done. You are either actively supporting systems of equity for all people, or you are complicit in systems of racism. It's that simple, and it's that complex. We are never not being formed. Fortunately, we have some agency in our own formation. So I'll ask one more time. How's the water? <laughs>